DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. BYU just crushed Navy 55-3. Your reaction the morning after. People who can scarcely believe it. People who are reveling in it. People who wish the opener was against the University of Utah. People who wished half the schedule was still Power 5 teams. And people like Casey Gore tweeting at us who wish that Navy had done some live tackling leading up to the game, so he didn't have to listen to that during the broadcast. I get why they threw it out there to kind of throw Navy a bone, but PK, it was a 52-point margin. I, I can't believe the live tackling was worth 52 points. Who gives a crap about that anyway? <laughs> I ain't into excuses. And that just means, oh, so don't hold us accountable for that. You know, someone's sick, someone's this, someone's that. What they're trying to do is say, well, that's not really for them to blame, be blamed. The fact is, BYU kicked the crap out of them. I don't care if they just showed up 10 minutes before. They showed up to play the game, and they got whooped. And that's all that matters. 55-3. to three. 301 yards rushing. Over 500 yards, almost 600 yards total offense. 580, I think, was the final number. And it could have been more. Obviously, BYU was uh, playing uh, second stringers and probably some third stringers mixed in there as well in the fourth quarter. Uh, so 55-3 to three is the final beating. And believe it or not, I said earlier this morning, Nobody picked BYU by 50. Nobody picked them by 40. I didn't see anybody pick them by 30. The spread was bouncing back and forth. Neither, Both BYU and Navy were favored at one point, but ne- neither team was ever favored even by uh, a field goal. And then Yak informed me that Pacific Dan tweeted it out, time-stamped 110 yesterday afternoon, BYU 56-3. Oh, yeah, but that's just some out of your butt. He didn't really mean it. He, <laughs> unless you put money on it, that, that it's irrelevant. And that's where I grew up. I grew up in a gambling culture, and you can say whatever you want. The only thing that matters, you got the stub to back it up. Did you put cash on it? Other than that, it, those are just words. So I don't want to hear whoever he found that said that. It doesn't matter because if it would have been something like 21 to 20, no one would have said, oh, that guy, and he wouldn't have been out anything. So predictions are like, you know what, everybody can make them. But when you put money on it, then if you're right, you can go ahead and brag. And I'm talking about myself, too, because when you think about my predictions, I have like an 85% success rate because I know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Did you run out of air? Ah, it was more phony. I just did it for effect on that one. <laughs> uh, the highlights of the game, I think it starts with the offensive line one, the offensive line two, the offensive line three. We were talking about it yesterday morning. NFL scouts don't care about the rivalry and the emotion of college football. They're looking for guys who can help their team. So if they say, hey, we're checking out four potential prospects on the BYU line, BYU must have something, and clearly – BYU had something. That was an awesome performance by the offensive line. I would think that uh, the offensive line, watching film with the coach, would be a lot of fun. They'll nitpick and they'll find mistakes, but they aren't going to find very many of it, and all the players know that before they walk into the O-line room. Well, last night, late at night, I had a chance to talk to Dan Deardorff and Conrad Dover, (laughs) and they were envious. Conrad Dover, famous for biting people. (laughs) 
<laughs> Whatever it takes to move the chains, man. Clearly. <laughs> Conrad Dobler. Tweet at us right now, your favorite <laughs> offensive lineman. Ready? Go. Randall McDaniel, because it sort of rhymes. And yeah, that's a good one. That was a good one from back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> Anthony Munoz. Yes, Anthony Munoz. Tony Boselli. Art uh, Shell and Gene Upshaw, because Gene Upshaw, Gene ran, Upshaw the, yes. ran the union. Orlando thing. Pace. Oh, Orlando R- Pace. Good call. Randy Cross. Jonathan Ogden. <laughs> Offensive linemen getting shout-outs who never thought they'd get a (laughs) (laughs) shout-out. It'll be a windy day in Salt Lake City before I mention Conrad Dover. And there it is. In case case you're wondering, the list of things closed uh, keeps climbing. Davis schools are closed. Salt Lake City schools are closed. University of Utah is now closing the campus. State Capitol counting eight historic trees down. They're closed. And four of the six Salt Lake City golf courses are open. Or, excuse me, are closed. Two are open. Glendale and Mountaindale are open. So, yes, it is a windy, windy day. So windy it knocked out PK's internet connection. <laughs> is that possible? Can we blame that on the or wind? Ours, but you know, semantics. Yeah, mine. you're right. It is on our end. You can't fix it. Yeah, nothing you can do. Right. All right, we got uh, reaction rolling in from people here. They've been uh, hitting us up uh, on Facebook, DJ and PK. On Twitter, David DJ James. Uh, grab your phone. Use the open mic feature. Use the app. Use the open mic and send us your takes. Uh, any reaction you have to that complete crushing, that beating that BYU delivered to Navy. Um, Alex, I did not expect that offensive firepower. 55 points. They're gonna, they, now that they've done it, they've set the bar. Aren't the coaches going to be sitting in the room now going, oh, now that we know you've done it, guys, you screwed up now. Now we expect it every week. You had to be, yeah, Army. Texas State, UTSA, this ought to just be road grader central the rest of the year. Yeah, I mean, there's no question about it. Uh, You would expect that. And let's not forget the defensive aspect, too. I mean, they were very, very good up front in the linebacking core, obviously. But the story of the game, I agree with you, is the offensive line. Because when you can do that, it just makes everything so easy. And that's how you dominate. You know, Boise had that thrilling win years ago in the Fiesta Bowl against Oklahoma, right? Well, it was a bunch of trick plays. And so the purist, Kyle Whittingham, I never have spoken to him about it, but he'd probably scoff at it. Trick plays. Get out of my bleeping face. Well, here, there is nothing trickery about it. Zero trickery. Here we are. Line up. We're going to open these holes that our running backs are going to run through, and they're going to get to the second level. They're going to get to the third level. They're going to get to the end zone. And that's exactly what happened. And it became clear by the second possession. The only reason why you want to throw is just to work on stuff. (laughs) Right. Because (laughs) you can turn around and run it and just get first downs left and right and straight up the middle. So you got to throw a little bit because, you know, you've been practicing all this time. You want to do stuff. I thought I had a couple drops right off the bat, uh, but you didn't really need to do that. I mean, you want to do that so you prepare for when you need to do it. But the ease in which it was accomplished was just 
stunning, man. It was stunning to see how easy it was and the holes that were generated. My goodness gracious, people were just running free left and right, as I say. It was complete domination. There's really no other way to say it. Well, Algier averaged nine yards a carry. Cattell averaged eight yards a carry. McChesney averaged five yards a carry, but he didn't get to run behind the starting offensive line. But he still averaged five yards a carry. Well, I was hoping they put McChesney in just so I didn't have to freaking hear about that UMass game But anymore. when they put him in, they brought the UMass game up. I, I laughed out loud. I'm like, PK's mad it's now. It's coming around. He's Here just we like go. nails on a chalkboard right now. He ran for over 200 yards against UMass last year. <laughs> I, I would have given him 20 bucks to say it. I don't know Reese Davis, and I probably would have welched on it. But I would have said, hey, Reese, I'll give you 20 bucks to say this and get under PK's skin. Well, of course they were going to say it in front of a national audience. We heard know. about it right. endlessly. Uh, I hope for the kids just young, right? Was, was he, is he just a sophomore? He's a redshirt uh, freshman officially. Oh, okay, yeah, that's right with that rule that they have last year. Yeah, you're right. So, you know, hopefully for his sake he gets opportunities. So when he's a senior, he's probably sick of hearing about it. That's not what he wants to have. would be the highlight of his career against UMass, running for 900 yards on two carries. Uh, you know, he wants more opportunities. And keep at it, son, and keep working at it, and you'll probably get your opportunities. And so right now you got two running backs that are ahead of you. And the great thing about running back is you can get the play. It's not like quarterback or maybe even offensive line. They rotate it to a fair amount of degree, and who knows knock on wood, that there's no injuries there. But those two, with Algier and uh, Katoa, they certainly earned their opportunity, and they came through. And I like what Lopini said. Well, geez, look at the holes. Yeah. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> they were so sweet, man. It's just like, wow. I, I don't know that, uh, you know, I've really ever seen a BYU game like that where two guys were running just wild every single time. Like an average – eight and nine yards? I yeah. mean, that, that's just incredible. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Alex is on the open mic. Alex? As a Utes fan, I'm jealous, man. They get a play this year, we don't. They're probably going to throw it in our face all season, and I guess they have a right to. We've been throwing Power 5 into their face for the last 10 years, and it was great. So we'll give them this one fake season. Okay, I got to say, for a second there, I thought Alex was Jake. But then later on, he wasn't. I'm like, Jake, man, just call him to be Jake. Don't be, okay, but Alex was different. Did you think that was Jake Scott for a second? I didn't hear it, that that connection, but maybe (laughs) if he did. Oh, yeah, anyway. Uh, So, yeah, so he's been throwing uh, uh, Pac-12 Power 5 in their face for a decade, so he's going to let BYU throw this in their face for a year. Well, I still think, and I'm a fool to think, that they're going to have an announcement and says, we're going to get going in October. That'd be great. It sounds early to me. But that's just that'd be great. 99% that's, heart. That's the best case scenario. I know. And I, I, I'm just dreaming. I, okay. get, I get it. Uh, I'm wishing. I'm oh, look at you. You and Herm Edwards right there. He just went, I, I get it. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> I love when he does that. Listen, I think the only thing wrong with him coaching ASU is that now I don't get to see him on ESPN. I get it. You speak of Jake Scott. I was on their show the other day, and I know Jake is listening, and you're a bozo, Jake, so let's make sure we understand that completely. He's telling me, oh, I'm glad they don't have a season 
because they were expected to have one of their better seasons, and this makes me laugh. Yeah, you know what also made you laugh? Two years ago, you laughed hysterically when they hired the old man, and now two years later, well, they're going to have one of their best seasons. So which is it, buddy? Get on your knees and beg forgiveness, and I want you to know I'm not giving it, and neither is Herm, the germ, the firm, Edwards. Berm? I'm kind of reaching there. Yes. And he's going to be on the berm holding the trophy one of these years. You just watch. <laughs> You're running out of air again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> DJ and PK coming up. Ross Dellinger, National College football writer for Sports Illustrated, is going to join us next. Get his take on BYU-Navy, where it goes from here. Is anybody really going to want to play BYU deep in this season? PK, I'm under the theory that uh, they could be back in the American Athletic Conference. You know, if there's somebody who's good who thinks they have a chance to play their way into a New Year's Six Bowl or into a playoff, and they need a quality win— BYU could get a call. And I know it's complicated because some of the dates that Tom Holmo's probably looking at and talking to people are going to get taken up by conference games that have to be rescheduled, and that's a problem. And certainly there's some schools that are looking at BYU right now thinking, no thanks, I don't need any part of that. But I still think there's a chance to add a quality game out there against somebody who needs a quality win and needs to beat somebody with a good record to get to whatever they're trying to get to. You buying it? Yeah, yeah. Why not? I mean, you're a thinking man, and you think of that stuff better than I do. And so you've been right on a lot of these theories or what, uh, almost like uh, some type of formula that you come up with. So if you think it, it's because you thought of it, and you're not speaking off the top of your head. So, yeah, I do. I don't know that it's going to come to pass. I don't either. As you say, there's complications. Yep. But when you say, do I buy it? The theory that I buy it, yeah, absolutely, man. And and think about it, too. You know that that particular game that you speak of is going to get wide viewership, yep. and everybody loves it. You know, if you're Alabama, Ohio State, and that stuff, you don't need that. But 99% of us do need that, speaking from the college football aspect. And so you get that opportunity, like they're going to have Army and BYU 130 on a Saturday? Who would have thought that? Who would have thought that a month ago or whenever before they announced it? I mean, it's just how crazy it is. So, yeah, you got to be flexible. And if something comes up like that, that would be great exposure for your program. And I think deep down, these programs that you're speaking of think, oh, we can beat BYU. Come on. I don't care what they did. We're us and they're them. So, yeah, I would love to see it. All right, DJ PK, it's Ross Dellinger, National College Football Writer for SI. Coming up next, stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. A couple guys stumbling right out into the flat. It's Katoa who's wide open, and he waltzes into the end zone. He has one running, one receiving, and BYU is up by 20. 
DJ and PK brought to you in part by Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Judge, Ram in Sandy. Find your deals online at LHMDeals.com. Larry H. Miller, Chrysler, Jeep, Dodge, Ram in Sandy. Bring you this segment. Ross Dellinger is going to join us here in a few minutes. Uh, the story of the morning, BYU 55, Navy 3. A complete and total blowout. Just Just a beating beyond belief. 580 yards of total offense, and the game was over. Depending on how optimistic you are, it was over either in the first quarter or the second. I think for some people, it was over 14-0. Others wanted to see the touchdown for 21 before they really believed it was done. But it was done early. We'll talk with uh, Ross Dellinger about that. The uh, other big stories uh, that we've been uh, tracking, the Clippers... They did it. They were down going to the fourth quarter. They rallied and beat the Nuggets 113-107. They're up two games to one. The Celtics are up 3-2 on the Raptors. Uh, their, their starters were really dialed in. They got big games there. So uh, that's where it sits. Lakers and Rockets tied at a game apiece play tonight. TNT, 7 o'clock. That series tied 1-1. All right, time to talk college football now with Ross Dellinger. He is a national college football writer for Sports Illustrated. Ross, Good morning. Morning, how are you guys? Good. So Ross, fifty-five to three. Is there any part of that that you saw coming? <laughs> Probably not. Um, although I, I didn't know the full extent of Navy's, I guess, approach, cautious approach to preseason camp. Um, you know, I expected a ten to fifteen point and but certainly did expect uh So at 55-3 to three, and with BYU running for 301 yards and the 580 yards of total offense, it begs the question, is BYU this good or is Navy this bad? Well, I think it, uh, you know, I think it did have a lot to do with the situation with uh, uh, you know, Navy's preseason camp, and that was their first real live contact, you know, which is pretty uh, – Pretty crazy to think about. You know, it's kind of like camp scrimmage. Um, I talked to a BYU coach afterward, and he he was mentioning how it, it did. You know, it, it looked kind of like that was their first year. Um, so I, I think that had a lot to do with it. Uh, you know, and that's not taking anything away from BYU. Uh, I don't think there's any doubt who the better team was on the field last night. Um, but you know, it, it was a. It was it was crazy to see, and um, I think you know BYU has got a, a solid team. They they're going to need to obviously improve. We didn't see a lot of the passing game, but probably because we they didn't need it. You know they they really moved up front. Their offensive line clearly is uh, is very talented. So Cougar fans look at the schedule and see Army coming up next, and Army just beat Middle Tennessee State 42 to nothing. Army and Houston are the two programs that have the best reps, the best brand. We'll have to see how good their actual teams are this year because they've both been up and down over the course of five years, uh, the same as Navy, uh, you know, with an 11-win season, a 3-win season, 11-win season all in the mix. Do you think there's anybody out there that BYU can beat that'll really make people stand up and say, ah, they're good, or no matter what the Cougars do with this team, are they going to get dismissed at a national level? Oh, I don't know. I think, um, you know, people still, I mean, BYU is still a brand, and I think people still 
uh, watch BYU and follow BYU. Um, I, I don't think, uh, you know, over the years, sure, it's, it's gotten, um, there's, you know, there, there's a, a, a certain, I guess, Things have changed. It's not like it's like the mid '90s or, or mid '80s. So there's obviously lots of things have changed. But I still think BYU is a big brand. And I think if you if you have a good enough record, and, and uh, obviously, again, uh, you I, I was hoping to see more from the passing attack, but they didn't need it last night. And so that kind of awaits. Uh, I think everybody's excited to see uh, Zach Wilson and, and, and what he can do in, in year three. Do you think Army is uh, any good? Because I think the same questions come out of the Middle Tennessee State game when it's forty-two to nothing. Uh, is Army that good, or is Middle Tennessee State that bad? And obviously, Army's up next for BYU. Yeah, you know it's 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 tough to predict uh, this early in the season after just one game. I, I saw I know that uh, Kalani Sataki was asked during the post-game uh, interview if this uh, does something as far as the. Uh, for his program, I don't know exactly what the question was, and he said, "He said, look, it's just one game. You know, I hate to I hate to pin everything on one game. So it's tough with all these games, these season openers, to uh, you know, to, to somehow predict the season just based off of one game. We all have to remember. I mean, a lot of these teams, again, we, we talked about it with Navy already, talked at length, but uh, the COVID is impacting some of these teams more than the others, and." Um, I know from just from talking to some people around the BYU program, they, they were not, for whatever reason, maybe it was the, the uh, precautions they're taking there and the mitigation tactics, but they were not as impacted as some other schools. And it, it clearly showed. And, and, and it, it's funny because I went to the Southern Miss-South Alabama game last Thursday, and it clearly showed on that field how impacted Southern Miss was by, by COVID. And, and, again, you don't want to – Give an excuse to everybody and uh, put the all the blame on on the virus. But Southern Miss's offensive line, you know, they got hit by COVID. They, a lot of their players were uh, out for camp uh, on the O line, and of all the all the units, the O line is the one that needs the gelling the most. And uh, I think last night we saw a BYU offensive line that uh, was much more gelled uh, than some others that I've seen so far this year. I thought we were going to see a lot fewer coaching changes because teams aren't going to have the money to buy coaches out. And even if they do have the money, it's a bad look. So just from the PR, even if they have the money, the PR, they may not want to do it. And yet Southern Miss, Hobson's out after one game. What happened there? I guess they didn't have to buy him out if it was a mutual decision, so maybe that's part of it. But what? how do we have a coaching change already? <laughs> it, that was surprising. Uh, you know, I'll cover that game. I even met with the AD the day before the game and certainly none of that really came up. Um, and then of course, after the fact you hear that there you know, some other off the field stuff. We all remember a year and a half ago, uh, when Jay Hobson tried to hire on Bryles right. and that didn't go over real well. The president stepped in and I don't think he and the president have, uh, probably have the greatest relationship since then. Uh, I, I, a lot of players this summer, um, from the, from a Southern Miss transferred, uh, they opted out and transferred, uh, left. Uh, they did the not opt out to wait to next year and return to the team, but opt out to leave the team. And there's a lot of that going on. Maybe a little unrest there. And obviously, they didn't look good on the field. You know, pretty clearly they didn't look good. But when anything like that happens after one game, it's not that one game that uh, 
was the the one defining factor. I think it was a lot of other off the field things, and clearly Jay Hobson entered this season maybe uh, on more of a, a hot seat than we all thought. Speaking of opting out, Penny Sewell, who actually went to high school in Utah, uh, plays at Oregon, has decided to opt out. Whatever the Pac-12 ends up doing, whatever the season looks like, if there is one, he's not going to be a part of it. He's going to get ready for the NFL draft, which makes a lot of sense. But we've seen a couple guys, three, two or three guys now, do this. And I remember when players started opting out of bowl games, it caught on pretty quickly. Do you think for top five draft picks this could catch on? Because... There's, I mean, really life-changing money if you're a top-five draft pick. Even even a rookie contract is life-changing money. Do you think this is going to be a trend? The pandemic has really, uh, it, it's really going to change a lot, obviously, in society, but it, it is going to change sports a lot for some for the better, some for the worse, and it, it's going to change it uh, for an extended period of time. I mean, it's going to be permanent changes. We're going to see society have permanent changes, and I think this is one of the things that's going to be impacted permanently by the virus is you probably are going to see more players sit out. And not only that, um, I think you might end up seeing seniors in high school um, start to, and we've already seen it obviously with the pandemic, um, some seniors bypassing their high school year because of the pandemic or because it was moved or even canceled or whatnot. And you're seeing them enroll early and all that in college. Uh, it, not play their senior year. I, I think we could see that happening more and more as well. Uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting times we're we're living in, and, and there's going to be a lot I think changing on a permanent basis when all this is done. You know, one thing we've seen is that uh, probably about uh, of the Power Five leagues that are playing, at least half, maybe two thirds of the schools are reporting limited amount of info on who's out or they're reporting not at all. Sometimes they don't even want to report numbers of players who've tested positive. I took that as a sign that it's full steam ahead and they are going to get this season in and they're not going to be denied. And they're trying to limit the public debate by limiting the info that gets out. Now, having said that, Tulsa and Oklahoma State, that game is uh, postponed. And also TCU, SMU, I think there have been four games now that have been uh, pushed back. How confident are you that the three power leagues that are going are going to play a full schedule as full as defined in 2020? Not, not real confident. That I, I don't, I don't think that we're in. Uh, like you said, I think yeah, I think we're up to maybe even as close as half a dozen games season mm-hmm. openers postponed. I think we'll end up, you'll end up seeing, um, you know, some teams not play the um, amount of games that they're scheduled to play. You might have one SEC team play eight or nine games, and another play play ten. Uh, I, I think uh, you might even see some programs not complete a season, not not finish a season, who who started a season. I, I think all those things are probably going to happen. And here's the thing: I, I think administrators expect that. You know, like they're expecting that. They're expecting COVID outbreaks and numbers and cases and community cases to impact uh, a season. And, and I, I think that's where we're, we are right now. We all have to expect there are going to be more games impacted. And if they can't move to another day on the schedule, they'll be avoided. And, and I think that's why we're going to see teams with all variety of, of uh, completed games numbers by the end of, by the end of this year. Ross Dellinger joining us. He's a national college football writer for Sports Illustrated. Uh, Ross, anyone who's listening to this show knows that I have wild theories. 
and uh, <laughs> some of them, <laughs> some of them actually turn out, and others just uh, <clears throat> it'd be better if I had never spoken them aloud. But one of the theories I have going into this season, and none of the Power Five leagues have adopted it. Possibly some of them will going forward. Was move the postseason, especially the playoff. There's so much money on it. Move it to. Um, around the uh, Super Bowl. Either have the con- you could have the championship game on the Saturday night before the Super Bowl, or if the NFL ends up having a break, which they might not, so the colleges might want to stay from this, you know, the, the weekend before the Super Bowl when there's only the Pro Bowl. Use those dates and give teams a few more weeks to reschedule games into, basically saying, hey, here's 16 weeks to play your 10 games over, because we think you're going to have to float some games here. Uh, no one seems to be embracing that. There doesn't seem to be much about moving the playoff back a month or so. Do you think there will be momentum for that, or is that just a total non-starter? I, I, I mean, I'm doubtful on that. Uh, obviously, that would potentially also give um, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten an opportunity mm-hmm. to maybe catch up, uh, and, and so you know you could have more of a universal uh, playoff, all-encompassing. But uh, it, it that is. Um, that seems to me uh, to be uh, here, here's the thing. You know, you have six six conferences out of the ten that are playing, and those six conferences they they are looking at the other four, specifically the Big Ten, right, uh, and saying, "Look, you should have waited. We're we're not waiting for you. We're not going to do uh, anything necessarily to to." Um, adjust our schedule because of what you know your decision was, which a lot of them think the decision to be Big Ten and others made was, um, uh, you know, a little early. Uh, and you know, so I, I think you're going to see those conferences uh, push against something like that. They're, they're not going to want to wait. They're not going to want to drag their season over the course of, of the traditional flu season. Uh, longer and longer already they're going to be into November, December, and and even early January with all this. They're not going to want to push it into January and into February. I don't don't see that happening. That That would surprise me. Ross Dellinger, national college football writer for Sports Illustrated, through all these uh, through all these changes and all the changes that we're probably going to have to deal with that we can't really anticipate a month from now. When whenever this is done, is it still going to be Clemson? Is it still going to be Alabama? Is it still going to be Oklahoma? Uh, I think so. And, and now you, we've really we've made it. Um, we've watered down the field. You know, the, the, in a lot of ways, because we don't have the Big Ten or the Pac, Pac-12, which I think had some contenders this year. I mean, a lot of people expected a lot out of USC and Oregon. Um, so, and obviously the Big Ten, Ohio State, and uh, teams like uh, Penn State, Wisconsin, Michigan, um, all of them were, I think, a lot of people expected to be be competing. And, and so you've watered down the field, and the parity uh, isn't... Uh, quite like it was, even though we, in a lot of ways, didn't have a, a ton of parity. So, I, I do. I think it's Clemson and Alabama. We just made our kind of crystal ball picks for SI, and those were the two uh, in my championship game. Well, in that case, we don't really need a regular season anyway. <laughs> Ross, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us here and talking a little uh, BYU-Navy and a little national college football. We appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Bye-bye. 
DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Your feedback coming up next. Stay with us. And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. Big Show. Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Are you ready? You guys ready? Some friends of mine asked me to play baseball, and they were a year younger, so they told me I had to bat left-handed, and uh, I hit a grand slam. Oh, Not a chance. I still, they, listen, I swear to you, this is true. Not a chance. I swear, you guys have trust issues. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> I got a letter from Casey Case. I said I'm a fan. I didn't get an invitation to go to the Playboy Mansion. I got taught how to play polo <laughs> by Juice Newton. The stories that I tell are 99.5%, 100% Yeah. Turn this up. Catch the Big Show, presented by Mountain America Credit Union on 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Woo! Go Cougs! Listen, we're going to win the national championship this year. We're going to have two Heisman Trophy winners, first time that's ever happened, and we're going to beat everybody by an average score of 50 points. Go Cougs! Oh, come on. Anytime you beat U of A, that's the biggest win in your tenure. Let's go, Devils. It would be so sweet to see BYU go undefeated and play in the Rose Bowl before Utah ever did. Okay, but the Rose Bowl is the national semifinal. Do you think with this eight-game schedule, BYU is going to be in the playoff? But you can dream. I don't want to take away your dreams. 55-3 to has launched a lot of dreams. Your feedback brought to you by Audi Salt Lake City. We can pick up a new Audi Q5 SUV for only $3.59 per month. Visit Audi Salt Lake City at 999 South State or AudiSaltLakeCity.com. you got to figure in this crazy year, the Big 12, the SEC, and the ACC champ are in for sure. Now, is it going to be a runner-up in one of those leagues or an AAC champ getting that fourth, fourth bid? I am curious. You know, the SEC pads its schedule with four non-conference games. And now that they're playing 10 league games, are we going to have a bunch of teams of 7-3? and three? I wouldn't mind. And what I'll really love is hearing the case made for one of those 7-3 and three teams to be in the semifinal. Because you know the SEC has their eyes on two bids. You know they do. We'll see if everybody gets 10 games. And we just talked with Ross Dellinger, and he's not completely clear that that's going to happen. Maybe there'll be one team playing six games and another playing eight and another playing nine. I'll have to see how that pans out. All right, a lot of reaction coming in. BYU, 55-3. to three. How about that butt-whooping? What do you think? How you feeling after that? Bart uh, said, as a U fan, I hope Navy beats the crap out of him. That's what he said yesterday. And Robert says, what was the basis for this hope you had? Apparently you didn't see Navy as a worthy or real opponent you were willing to hang your hope on then. That's an ill-advised and poorly executed strategy. Cougar fans going back and settling scores for tweets that didn't age well. Uh, so we were talking this morning about Navy uh, not, not hitting in practice. You know, going no live hitting. They were just hitting uh, dummies and sleds and that kind of stuff. And uh, DJB at Stonegate for me says, every decision has its consequences, and I guarantee the Navy won't make that mistake again. Well, Ken Yamatololo made that very clear last night. He said, if we go back and talk to our doctors, we have to do something different. I wonder how much, I mean, did he, you know, 
take the heat because he's the head coach, but how much was that? He very much, call? well, he said it was 1,000% on me tonight. I didn't have our guys prepared. Uh-huh. What you expect. Right. But he additionally said, but, we, we need to relook at how we're going about getting ready for games. Has someone ever taken the heat for a decision that was influenced by their boss? Has that ever happened in any company you've worked at, Jake? Have you ever, have you ever seen right. that? Right. Because I know I haven't. No, I haven't. Not at Channel 2, not here. Not in Sacramento, not at KYT in Santa Barbara. But what's at KTMS in Santa Barbara? Maybe not. Maybe it was all on him. Or maybe the doctors met with the AD and let him down that path. Who knows? Uh, The real Slim Shady says, Utah fans wouldn't admit to being jealous even if they were. Their superiority complex and pride won't allow it. I'll enjoy hearing their hating all year while their team hides from the scary virus. Let the real men play. Wow. Very macho, the real Slim Shady. Uh, There's a lot of tweets out there about the weather and the fact that uh, the U of U is closed, trees down at the state capitol in Liberty Park. Apparently they had 100-mile-an-hour wind gusts uh, up and down the Wasatch Front. Davis schools are closed. Salt Lake City schools are closed. Salt Lake City Golf has tweeted out that Bonneville, Forestdale, Nibley Park, and Rose Park are closed. Glendale and Mountaindale remain open for now. Contact the shops for rain checks or refunds. And Nathan says, perhaps this wind would fix my slice. Or perhaps it'd make it worse. It depends, it depends on which on, way you're hitting in yeah, the right? wind. Yeah, like a big hitter like yourself, you could get on number one there at Forestdale, and you could you could probably reach that green in like five right now. Yeah, That'd um, be right into the teeth of the wind, be, right? You'd be straight into it right now. Due east. Yep. All right, DJ and PK, we are out of time. Hans and Scotty are coming up next. Stay with us. It's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone.